Wow, what kind of a situation are we in now? Like legit, what would the Phoenix Suns have to do? What would the Milwaukee Bucks have to do to win a championship? Is this going to be the time that the Bucks rise up to finish a closeout game on the biggest stage of them all? Or will the Phoenix Suns have something left in the tank? What in the world is happening in NBA free agency post the NBA Finals? The Finals are either ending today or on Thursday. Whatever what other day it comes on, it does not matter. As it only matters when free agency starts for most of these guys that are not or have not been puff contention for a long time or just recently got booted. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Courtside Heat, CourtsideHeat.com. Um, as you guys may have noticed, if you listen to my podcast regularly or if you guys are new, welcome in. Thank you for trying this out, continuing to stick with us through the NBA Finals, through this crazy postseason, through breaking down the NBA free agency, then the NBA draft post um, NBA Finals. But what a crazy time it is right now. We're glad that you're sticking around with us. But if you have not noticed yet, or you probably have, we did not come out of a podcast episode yesterday. Yesterday was Monday. I I made uh I was saw I was talking about on Friday's episode about coming out special for Saturday, but then I wasn't really feeling that one because one more insight was I gonna be able to provide. And then on Monday I was just very, very upset Monday. And I'm going to talk about Game 5. Oh, I'm going to break down Game 5. I'm going to I'm gonna explain what went wrong in Game 5 for the Phoenix Suns. And I'm going to sum up the Bucks in one word on just how special this team really is. But before we get into that... Before we even talk about the finals, free agency, Kyle Kuzma, Chris Middleton, or whomever else, let's break it down. If you guys are new or you or you guys have been sticking around for a while, you know the deal. You know that we break down social media first. As always, join us, courtsaheat.com, courtsaheat.com. That's where you're able to get a long form, short form, ever, everything in between form of articles that breaks things down, um, that goes in depth on articles that are featuring the draft, featuring certain players, teams, eras, different things like that. We have fun articles, we have exciting articles, we have fan based articles. We have breaking news articles for anything that happens in the NBA. Also, if you're not interested in going to the website, I totally get you. You want to get your news just in one spot. That is why we have social media. That's why social media has evolved because people want things in one area and they want to browse whether that's photos or just something less than 200 characters in a single tweet. Or is it 250? It's one or two, but you get what I'm talking about. That is why... You should go to uh, twitter.com slash courtsideheat. We have polls. We have everything. We're linking you back to the website, but we're engaging game by game. This entire postseason, this entire series in general featuring 
your Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks has been has been uh, narrated by us have been been we've been talking about it on every single game the good games and bad games and everything in between we've covered it live with live by live updates retweeting Phoenix Suns retweeting NBA retweeting um the Bucks but then also giving our opinions on it giving you the craziest plays that have happened in game giving you live by live updates that actually matter we're going to be here again tonight 10 hours away from the game we're going to be cranking it on social media this is a do or die game we'll talk about i'm going to talk about that um after breaking news because i have some words and i may not be the greatest guy with vocabulary or using big big words or anything like that. And I get that. But when I want to make my point, when I want to get my point across, oh, it will be received. And this is not towards Milwaukee Bucks. This is towards the heart and soul of the Phoenix Suns. This is what I believe and what I truly from the bottom of my heart think about the Phoenix Suns throughout this entire series, but mainly in game five. But before we get to that, I'm going to get back to social media, but I'm going to talk about that. But remember, we're always trying to engage. We're always posting polls. We're always asking questions. We want you guys to be a part of the conversation. That's why we're also on Instagram.com slash NBA. If you want to see really cool photos, if you want to see really cool polls, statistics, um, different, uh, I don't like funny images. If you want to see cool art, cool graphics, come on Instagram. We're always starting conversations, always posting the greatest highlight videos ever, posting the greatest less than 30 second videos. We have it all. As we've just been pouring down on a debate of the two Space Jams. We all knew Space Jam was going to be a debate between LeBron James and uh, Michael Jordan. That's why we posted to, uh, yesterday about Michael Jordan and LeBron James stat line in the, in the movie. And you don't believe that people are doing that. They're actually calculating how many shots, how many statistics you're actually getting. It's actually quite impressive. Michael Jordan went 22 of 22 from the field and one game winner. While LeBron went 4 of 5 from the field, one rebound, one assist, and one game winner. So, just like in real life, he always has to be carried. I just thought that was funny. This time, it's a cartoon bunny. But hey, I bet you that cartoon bunny will play better and play healthier than uh, Anthony Glassman Davis. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But hey, um, I've not yet watched the movie. But from what I am hearing, they are getting smashed. Like they have like a thirty nine percent Rotten Tomato score. At one point, it was at thirty seven percent. I don't know. But now let me say this by all means, Michael Jordan was not the greatest actor ever. But in the first week or just in total, it's gotten a better Rotten Tomato score. And even even the people covering for Mike uh for LeBron James during his season that just has a news like as a news source that covered NBA, that covered LeBron James and the Lakers, they covered him, but not this time. 
People are saying this was more about the money than about the entertainment. Should we believe that? I don't know. I'm going to let you guys come to your conclusions on that. But I thought that was funny. But some of the interactions that we're having on there where people are actually debating on our page, reposting a lot of this stuff saying, whoa, I did not believe that. Like who actually figures out a stat line for a Space Jam movie or basketball movie, whatever, right? But to continue this, also find us on Facebook.com slash Courts of Heat, Tumblr.com slash Courts of Heat. Then you can find us on everywhere for the podcast. That's how you're listening to us right now. So I really shouldn't have to explain where we're at for the podcast because I have no idea where you guys could be listening to this if you guys do not know the four core podcast streaming places. But I'm going to say anyways, if you guys want more variety um, to find our podcast episodes, and here we go. We got iTunes.com slash Courtsayheat. We got Google Podcast. Type in Courtsayheat. We have Spotify.com slash Courtsayheat. Or just type us in. I believe you have to do three separate words. I believe for that one you do. And then, of course, SoundCloud.com slash Courtsayheat. Do that three separate words then with, I want to say, I want, yeah, you do, it has to be three separate words, or just type us in SoundCloud, to go to SoundCloud.com, just type us in three separate words, it will be easier that way. Less painful, right, instead of trying to figure out URLs and whatnot, so when in doubt, type things in, and that's why. It's a great thing to have your own front page as a website, as a company, right? I'm just saying, that is a beauty. That's why I'm going to offer the painless route. If you guys want to get a little annoyed today, you need something to fire you up, I would do that. But if you guys want to make things a little more easier, be a little more smarter about it, I don't blame you. I try to ease up my day, especially about this, because I... I can't remember half of my social media accounts. I'm just happy I'm able to post to all of them, right? But here you go. Go to go to Google.com. Just go to Google. Pull it up. Type in Quartz of Heat. Um, one word. Quartz of Heat. One word. And you'll be able to find Quartz Store, Or Macari Store. Or just search it within Macari by typing in PSA 9 Jason Tatum card. Or you can find... Courtsheat.com, you can find all the social media, you can find everything, like from the podcast to our main uh, social media accounts to everything. That truly is the easiest way to go. That is my preferred way to go because it has everything, everything that you're looking for, everything that we're offering, and so much more. Do not, do not... um, not forget to do that. That would be a huge disservice. Take advantage of that and let's get rolling. It always seems like I forget something with the social media end. It just really does. It never truly seems like I remember all my social media handles. That's why I just go to Courts of Heat from Google. Truly. That's not me promoting it right there. Like, legit. If there was, and I talked about this last podcast episode, where if there was no auto uh, syndication for social media posts, which is like the greatest thing ever that any social media platform can ever come out with, I may be lost in spending 
more time trying to post individually. But now since I'm able to group stuff, that is awesome. Like, who knew you go to Instagram to Facebook or Instagram to Facebook to Tumblr or Instagram to Tumblr? It's just really cool. And if I'm not mistaken, I think there's like one more. I know, ah, uh, boy, what, 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 what is it? Oh, and Twitter. But see, I'm not a big fan of Twitter. See, I'm not a big fan of Twitter right when you're trying to auto-syndicate it because it just looks like, go, uh, it just says, uh, I just posted a photo. Like, really? Really? So I don't like that they upgraded that feature, but I don't care about that. At least two or three of them are appealing to me. But besides that, that is not what this podcast is about. But still, a very cool feature. I will never, ever doubt that feature. I'll never criticize that feature unless they change it. But talk about changes. Talk to Talking about critics. Talking about just trying to figure out something that you really never knew you had a problem on. Let's get to the NBA free agency as... Many people are finding solutions, problems, and just getting stuck and getting caught in the middle of this, all of these messy relationships, like Hal Kuzma with the Lakers, like like Dennis Schroeder and the Lakers. They are going to have an ugly fallout when free agency truly begins. Sure, we see all the rumors. Sure, we can see all the reports. But until it's documented, until it's official, it does not mean anything because, as we know, Dennis is going to be a sign and trade. So, it's going to be, that's going to get tough. So, he's not going to have free will. So, you're going to have, so they're going to agree to a contract. They're going to try and trade him to the best team that they feel that they can get the best assets out of from. Um, and just trying to hope to... Get draft picks, players, etc., etc. But getting things started, who remembers Damian Lillard? My head hurts just talking about this. Like, truly. So, one, one moment I'm breaking news at 9 in the morning that Damian Lillard in the upcoming days is going to be requesting a trade from the team. And this was a few days ago. However, that was just not true because Damian Lillard said he woke up to that news and he called it fake news and said he did not make up his mind, but he said if he had to, he intended to play for the Clippers, but he never once said he was requesting a trade, that he was going to request a trade out of Portland, so... He woke up to that news. That must have been very shocking for him. Like, it's just imagine saying you're scrolling through social media or your agent's texting. You're like, what? We didn't consult this. What's happening here? Why did you just, why did, why are the reports saying you're going to request a trade? We didn't, we didn't talk about this. Whoa, slow, slow down, slow down. Uh, get your frustrations in check. But no. But here's something very interesting. Let's say, even though Damiller has no has no intentions to request a trade, the Knicks are still heavy on trading for the shooting guard. So what happens if the trailblazers say, you know what, it's time to move on. I'm sorry, Chauncey Billups, but let's see if we get you more stars to try to help or get good or great players to help you build this team out. And truly, if if I'm a part of Trailblazers, though, 
I wouldn't trade Damian Lillard. Not going to get all of that value back. He's just too much of a valued shooter. His shooting and passing abilities and dribbling abilities are off the charts. That is something you do not want to mess up on. And you're just lucky he's stuck around this long. That's why I always love franchise players. Dirk Nowitzki was that way. Larry Bird was that way. Mike, um, Mike Jones not a really good example because he played for the Wizards at one point. But for the longest time until their fallout, guys were very committed to um, You just had many guys commit to his team. And Damian could be one of them. Dirk's a great example. But here's the thing you always have to worry about. When is their fuse going to come up? When is it going to come up? To be honest, I don't know. But if Dame Millard saying, you know what? I'm going to put my confidence and trust in Chauncey. Let's see what Billups can do. Let's see what this new head coach can do. If I'm pleased with him, I'll stay. If I'm not and I'm not feeling anymore, I'm getting this guy feeling, I'm out of here. Because we can say NBA players just want to get paid. But also, for Dame Millard, when does he want to get that ring? He's been to POS before. He hit cut shots, game winners, all of that, and so much more. So, when does this start to eat up at him to where he just can't do it anymore? He just wants out. I, I don't know. And this is going to become a real possibility. If, personally, if the Trailblazers don't think it's going well anymore, and Damon's like, I'm pulling out. I would trade him out before the deadline or at the uh, trade deadline. But right now, don't trade Damian Lord. Keep him. Try to keep convincing him. Say, you know what? I know it's been rough the past 12 years, but give Chauncey a chance. Start. We can live with him. We had great players, just could not mesh with this franchise. Just give us one more year, and if we cannot guarantee anything in this year that has slight or great improvement, then you can leave. We'll help you find a trade. It's just interesting. Now, here's something really interesting that should be catching people's eye. Colin Sexton has been making news, I don't know how many um, days or weeks or so now, it feels like a while now. We've been talking about context in a lot. We've been talking about the rumors speculating between him and RJ Barrett. We've been talking about everything, right? But now, the Warriors have entered the mix. The Warriors are interested in Colin Sexton, but are they convinced? But are they interested in giving away their seventh overall pick and or James Wiseman? More will have to be given on that. I don't think so. There was no report alluding to that. Unless something came up right now or I missed it. Would they give that up? I don't believe they're going to trade James Wiseman for Colin Sexton. And I obviously know more is going to have to be given up. I am not doubting that. I am not questioning that. And I'm not going to go as foolish to say it's going to be a one-on-one player like Luca. And Trey was. But here's the thing. Will the Warriors try to build around Wiseman? To fit his skill set? To fit around him where he doesn't have to shoot the ball all the time. Like free pointers. Where he's able to have the inside game. 
To me, that was a real concern. That was a real concern among me and other people about where this direction was going with James Wiseman. And they said they were going to consider James Wiseman for Serge Ibaka going to the Raptors. I think that would be amazing because I believe Nick Nurse can utilize him the right way. I don't think the Warriors know what to do with a big man. And you could go back to the years of Andrew Bogut. Oh, man, I pronounce Andrew Bogut. B-O-G-U-T. I can't remember how to spell his last name. I apologize if I mispronounced his last name. But Andrew, their center, you can't count him. Sure, he was a great piece, but he's nowhere near James Wiseman talent. And here's the thing. The Warriors were different back then. Now they just have all shooters. And Steve Kerr has been inefficient these past two seasons when there's no super team, when there's no uh, when there's no uh, Clay Thompson, right? And different factors with that. And I, I um, ripped apart Steve Kerr a month or so ago, early into the postseason, about what kind of a fraud he is. And I truly do believe that. And maybe I can change my mind. I, I don't know. But going off of that, I don't see no trade James Wiseman. Because what would get Colin Sexton? What would that provide? I just, I, I just, I don't know. Because I'm pulling up the Warriors. I'm pulling up the Warriors roster right now. And bear with me if I go sign. Look, they're getting a point guard. Shooting guard. Um, reality check. Guys, reality check. Point guard, Stephen Curry. I'm just going by positions. These are not guys that act like it, especially not Stephen Curry. Clay Thompson, shooting guard. Backup shooting guard, Kelly Oubre. Then you have Andrew Wiggins, shooting guard. Um, guys, point guards, Jordan Pillay. So, Nico Manning, Gary Payne. Um, look, guys, I'm, I'm sorry. But Colin Sexton's not a backup point guard. In my opinion, and what I saw with him with the Cleveland Cowboys, and we can agree to disagree to the Cows come home. I don't care, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to set the tone. Colin Sexton is a starter. He is a starter that's worth starter minutes, and he has potential. And we cannot let Cleveland like mess up the career of Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton can ball out when it's needed, but he needs a good team. And being a backup point guard's not it, because it's not like Steph Curry's gonna leave the Warriors. He's going to sign that 210 or whatever million dollar contract. That's that, He's going to take that money. He's going to take that money before his ankles and wrists give out on him again. Right? So that's silly to say. Clay Thompson's going to be back. He's not going to tear his ACL for a third year in a row. I wouldn't think. Kelly Goubray Jr., well, they have not re-signed him. Now, wait a minute. Kelly Oubre has not been resigned. He is a free agent. But would that work? Because what they could do is, because Kelly Oubre, if I, he was a small forward. Now, 
Now this could be this could be game. This is where it gets tricky. You can have Curry Thompson Green. Okay, wait a minute. I gotta try to make up a star five. Hold on, guys. Give me a minute here. Uh, Curry Thompson Green Wiseman Sexton. That would be a top five, and you would just move Sexton to small forward because Colin Sexton. If I looked up his build height, uh. He's six foot one, and Kelly Oubre, who's also considered a small forward. Okay, he's six foot seven. That, that doesn't help things, but it's six inches, but still six inches is a lot. I'm just trying to work it out here, you know. Yeah, because also uh, Andrew Wiggins considered a small forward, and he's six foot seven. So what we can do is is okay. How much? Okay, hold on. Okay, Clay Thompson six six. So this can work. Where it's Stephen Curry, point guard. Then we have shooting guard and or small forward Clay Thompson. Small forward for Clay Thompson. Power forward for Draymond Green. Center for James Wiseman. Shooting guard for Colin Sexton. And you get rid of Kelly Oubre. And that's if they don't have to give up James Wiseman. And I know I did many calculations in my head, but this was very on the fly. This was very like freestyle trying to come up with the best roster. But that's the top five. Because Kelly Oubre averaged about uh, 20, 30 minutes per game. Starter-like minutes because he was mainly in the starting role. And he did not put up great numbers. Just gonna not gonna lie. So get rid. Right, if you're gonna get rid right of someone, get rid right of Bray. Try to get Colin Sexton. Maybe give up your seventh and fourteenth overall pick, whatever second overall pick they have in the first round of the 2021 NBA draft. Here's why. Look, the good players are going. Within the first seven picks. Or first ten picks. But let me tell you this. What do the Warriors truly need? Curry's come back. Thompson's come back more healthy. Even though he's not played on the NBA court in two years. Which really is a bummer. Draymond Green's there. Wiseman's there. He's going to be developing. Uh, as much as I hate to say, Andrew Wiggins is going to be there. As he needs a revived career. You have all these different guys. Look, give up the draft picks. Are the draft picks really worth it? Me personally, I take Colin Sexton over uh, Kaubre, more consistent shooter, better flow with the ball. He's able to move around the court without the ball. He has good awareness to be a shooting guard. Because let me check Colin Sexton, but I think he really plays shooting guard. Yeah, he's a point guard slash shooting guard, right? So it's like, yeah, it's it's it gets tough. He's no small forward. I that's saved for Clay Thompson or for someone else designated for that. I'm I'm just at a loss for words. Get rid of the draft picks. If you want Colin Sexton, you want to actually belly up the money, send him some cash. Some some bum players, some dumb some draft picks. If I already mentioned that, and you just know what, 
get Colin Sexton because you're you're a shooter team. You're not a defensive team, not by any standards, because who on that team besides Wiseman and Green to some extent can actually play defense solid for an entire 48-minute game? Not many players on that team. They're more of a shooting team, more of a dribbling team. Um, Sometimes play the hero ball, but not Mike D'Antoni style hero ball or whoever can shoot the ball within seven seconds because... Dan Tony didn't realize that they had more than seven seconds to set up a play and try to run something. But, yeah. But besides all of that, well, my final thoughts are going to be on this because I know this conversation is not going to end anytime soon. Is that give Colin Sexton draft picks. That's what I'm going to say. Just give them, give them to the Cavs. Say, you know what, we'll give you whoever you want. That's in reason when we negotiate. Because the, the Cavaliers also have to get some back in return for Sexton. They are going to trade him. They're just not going to give him up for free. Right? Because it's not going to be like, oh, well, we're just going to give him up with little assets in return because we're banking on Jalen Suggs. No, Suggs is going to go for the top three. And Cunningham and Suggs have been battling for the first overall pick. The Pistons can do whatever they want. It just falls on what the Cavaliers have in store, what they actually could get with the third overall pick, depending who their player goes. And there was a whole debate if Suggs was going to be Baron Sexton. I wrote it on the courts of he.com and whatnot. I detailed the whole story. But here we go. Moving on, <laughs> point guards have become so immersive, if that's the correct usage of that word, in this NBA, in this league. I've always said it starts with a point guard and it comes down, it trickles down from there. It does. A point guard, a good point guard, makes a huge difference on a team. Take the Phoenix Suns. They needed Chris Paul. They went from Isaiah Cannon to Ricky Rubio. They improved up to Chris Paul. That is not bad. I'm just going to say. Dennis Schroeder. And with the Lakers, or even with the uh, with OKC Thunder when he had the opportunity to be there. Or, I'm just trying to think of somebody else, but you get what I'm throwing at here. Point guards are that, is that player where they don't need to be effective on the court by just shooting. They can beat you in dribbling, in IQ, basketball IQ. They can beat you in court awareness. They can beat you in decision making. They can beat you in anything. And a floor general is a point guard's role. His versatility. Just going to say it. Some of the, I'm looking up some of the greatest point guards of all time. Steve Nash was one of the greatest point guards of all time. Just because I'm rolling with the uh, Phoenix Suns, I have to go with that. But you can even put in uh, Russell Westbrook, no matter how much he fills the stats. How much he just wants to fill that going in. To some extent, um, Stephen Curry, I was just talking about him. He's, a, he's listed as a point guard, but he's mainly a shooting guard. But I'll give it to him. Derek Rose is a great point guard, especially back when he didn't have to deal with those injuries. Kemba Walker is a great point guard. I'm just saying, Isaiah Thomas was a great point guard 
um, in his respect era. You had Jason Kidd, John Stockton. Of course, I mentioned uh, Chris Paul, Jerry West. He's considered in the top five all-time point guards. Oscar Robinson um, and even Magic Johnson. Let's not let's not fool ourselves. It starts with the point guard, and whether they're listed as point guard or if they have different positions, let's not fool ourselves. If you're listed as point guard, you're expected, especially back in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, you're expected to act as a point guard, and that still holds value. It still holds valid truth to today's NBA, right? So, why am I bringing this all up? Because the Bulls are looking to sign a point guard. They need one. Zach Levine has not been able to do it. Lauren Markkinen's not one. Kobe White's not one. That's why they're looking to sign a point guard this offseason as they're eyeing up four candidates. Four potential guys that could be their main point guard in the starting rotation. Number one, Spencer Dinwiddie. Number two, Alonzo Ball. Number three, Kyle Lurie. And number four, Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder's going to be tough because if the Lakers going to do him a sign and trade, that means that the, that the Bulls will have to give up something in return. That's more than money. That, that's more than costing them cap space. Now, it could also clear them up by who they trade, but still... Now, I will say they are getting a lot with that package of Dennis Schroeder and what they can expect of him as a point guard slash shooting guard. However, what I will say is Alonzo Ball is not a bad point guard. Um, I know if I, I know I had a lot of heat on Alonzo Ball, putting him in a hot seat, putting him in negative connotations. I, I say that would be, be the correct way to say it because... Look, Alonzo Ball has had a tough stretch. He had to go to a poor Lakers team before LeBron, but in his first season with LeBron, everyone was chanting, LeBron's going to trade you. And he did, and the fans did that to everyone. And maybe some certain extent, LeBron did trade him. I don't know that for a fact. Um, but here's the thing. The Pelicans and the um and the Lakers have done a disservice to this guy because he's not a bad he's not a bad player. It's just for the team he hangs out with. Now we can justify if you're that good of a point guard, you should be able to transition to transform this team. Look, the guy's only twenty three years old. He has only been in the league for about three or four years. He's having put up career high averages. 14 points, 41%, and 5 rebounds, of uh, 5 assists and 4 rebounds. Look, he, he, had career, he had career averages in points per game and field goal percentages. And then assists were down by 1 in 3 tenths from last season. But here's the thing, he's averaging 5 assists per game. He's averaging five rebounds per game. That's not bad for an inexperienced point guard still trying to develop and find his way. The Lakers were really poor, but he kept advancing. I'm just going to tell you the shooting averages. 
Ready? 36%, 40%, 40%, Best season by far, field percentage. But then the assists have gone up and down. But here's the thing. When you want him to go in, he'll go in. Because he'll get you the boards. Because I believe he's listed, he's listed at 6'6". So, theoretically, this guy should be knocked, should be getting down boards every single time. He's beginning those rebounds. Now, what I will say is, he's averaging 5 to 8 assists per game. That is solid for an inexperienced point guard still trying to find his way in all this craziness. He had a crazy Lakers team with him, and now just Stan Van Gundy and whatever the Pelicans have left. I wouldn't be surprised if Zion Williamson was going to leave after his rookie contract was up. Or maybe he would just take the money when it's offered to him with the Pelicans. I don't know. All I know is, is that Alonzo Ball, it's time for him to go. And I truly believe from the bottom of my heart that the Chicago Bulls could actually use Alonzo Ball because their point guard right now is Kobe White. And let me just tell you this. Kobe White's more of a shooting guard than a point guard. Sure, he's averaging five assists per game. But but here's the thing. I would take... In the point guard aspect, in the point guard position, Alonzo Ball over Kobe White. That's not being me being on the ball train or on the white train. I'm just saying what I'm looking at because Zach Levine's a shooting guard, yes. Lauren Morgan is a power forward. Nikola Vujovic is a center. White is a point guard. Patrick Williams is the backup point guard. The the Javante Green is their backup point guard. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. Alonzo Ball deserves to split or have more minutes than Kobe White. If they're going by traditional uh, point guards. But I will say Kobe White is a significant passer. Um, May 13th, 10, 10 assists. May 15th, uh, 6 assists. May 16th, 5 assists. So he's getting there. But the rebounds are more. But I just believe Lonzo Ball to be more of an explosive point guard than Kobe White. I think Kobe White's a more of a dynamic shooter, a better shooter than Lonzo Ball for being serious. I, I don't view Lonzo Ball as a shooting guard. Meaning, he's not Stephen Curry. He's not, he's not on the level that White is when shooting the three-point ball because White never had to adjust his shot during his NBA uh, first two years, right? Or even his first season. And this is a lot to say about Kobe White, but White was also this season putting up career highs. So it's like, if we can somehow try to mesh this, but the thing can also be said, what will you do? Because someone's going to have to be like, go or traded. Here's the thing. Whatever you're going to do, you have to move Kobe White because they want to find a solid point guard. Kobe White's not the answer. Kobe White is, then should deserve 
um, starter-like minutes. But to me, Alonzo Ball or, and or Dennis, Dennis Schroeder deserves to be on that team. Laurie, don't give him a two-year $50 million contract. I don't think he'll help your team. In veteran presence, yes. I think he's a great point guard and shooting guard at times. But to me personally, go with the younger guy. Try to lock him up. Try to try to just get something going with Billy Donovan since they hired him as a head coach last year. But yeah, that, that's my feelings on him. I know we're going to differ from the four guys I listed previously like Dinwiddie. Like Ball, like Schroeder, and of course Lowry. But to me, I would try to go after Ball. I would try to go after Schroeder. More likely Ball because you would not have to do a sign and trade as the Lakers are leaning towards and maybe announcing secretly and privately, like secretly and maybe kind of publicly for the breaking news and whatnot. But at least with Lonzo Ball, that does not seem to be the case right now. Unless... Yeah, unless something crazy happens. But besides that, I'm all in all on to ball for the Chicago Bulls. I can see him in the Chicago Bulls uniform. It just depends if both sides can get the money aspect. And let me say this. Everybody's projecting four years, $100 million for Alonzo Ball. I was actually spot on. What was that with Dennis Schroeder? It was one of the two guys where I was spot on about giving him a contract. What was that Dennis Schroeder? It was one of the two guys. Where I believe there's Dennis Schroeder where people were saying, give him four years, $100 million. I told you he was worth $100 million. I told you what you need to pay him. And now it seems like everybody's waking back up to that. The organization has not, but let me, let me do say this. This is getting noticed more and more, and that can be very, very significant in how everybody views him on the outside looking in for this franchise. Because we all know Dennis Schroeder's going to sign and be traded. Then, of course, contract extension is going to happen, right? That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Whether if he goes with the Bulls, Knicks, or whomever, it does not matter. They're going to give him a contract extension off his signed contract with his former team to go ship off to a new team, right? Now, talking about... Kyle Lowry here, as we have tons of breaking news, as the first 42 minutes have been been roughly about the free agency, but this is such heavy content that needs to be broken down, right? You just can't skim past this like, oh, look at this player, oh yeah, he's fine, just get past him, because we're going to get to the NBA Finals, trust me, I can talk all day and I can talk all night, huh, does not bother me, especially on this. Like, if you ask me questions about the Phoenix Suns and you're like, oh, um, what's happening here? What's happening in this? I will, tell, I will rattle off every single statistic or fact I know. And that is without a shadow of a doubt in my mind. Like, legit. Like, legit. I am like the Energizer Bunny you see from those commercials. You put in those AA batteries. I may never stop talking. Even if you turn off the, even if you turn off the on switch. Okay, but getting back to it, um, Kyle he got he got some interest from the Bulls. He's in the top four, but the Pelicans, doing the reverse, out with the new and in with the old, huh? Kyle Lowry is getting attention from the Pelicans. 
as the Pelicans are trying to get back on track after a disastrous season, we stay in Van Gundy. And then, of course, for the trade with Drew Holiday. They saw it was going to be different, but it's not. But should we be surprised? Look, I'm not going to speculate on this anymore. I think Kyle Lurie is a great player. I truly do. But whether he goes to the Pelicans or not is not the most significant news ever. Because Kyle Lurie, in my opinion, has already won a ring. Does he want another one? I would say yes. I don't know that for sure. I do not know the NBA player um, on any level. But I do think he does win our championship. And if you go to New Orleans, you are destined to become one of the most forgotten people in the NBA. Because all the hype was Zion lost it because of how bad New Orleans were. No one even were talking about it last season. Um, when it has slight chance of making the uh, playing tournament. But truly, everybody, like Josh Hart, everyone else, they just fizzled out. Lonzo Ball, they forgot about him unless you have some drama going on with LeVar Ball. But besides that, truly, I would not say go to the Pelicans, but... You never know. It could be beneficial for him. He may just want to pause final few years or how many years he's sinking or if he's going to try to go like Chris Paul. But, yeah, let's continue on with that one. That was not significant news, but still, news you got to talk about. So, originally, and this was like a few months ago in the podcast where we were talking about both um, Steve Nobbs and Eric Bledsoe. So, they're now confirmed or expected to be uh, confirming a trade this offseason. That they're going to both that the, that they're, uh, the, oh, man. Well, come on. I, I, oh, come, don't do this to me. I just had, I just had the team's name. I knew I was going to do this to myself. I knew I should just pull this up. He plays for the Pelicans. I knew it. I'm an idiot. Don't just disregard that. Everything that just happened, don't just don't. So with the Pelicans trying to go back to normal, try and do everything they can with Bledsoe and Adams, they're both expected to be traded this offseason. And the Celtics want Bledsoe. They'll pursue him if they have to. Try to advance talks if they have to. Because everyone's especially the Celtics are high on Eric Bledsoe. To me, Eric Bledsoe was okay with was okay with the Phoenix Suns, decent to good with the Milwaukee Bucks, and now it's just like, okay, what you doing? But it's like he did win. He did go to, um, which call, uh, the Pelicans. So that does not help, right? And he's also been in the league for ten years. He's had a long career with the Clippers, Suns, Bucks, and then. The Pelicans. It's not bad. He shot. This is certainly one of his. One of his down seasons. He's never played truly full 82 games. He's only played 81 games in his career. Get this. He shot. 42% from the line. 12 points. Free rebounds and free assists. The prior season in Milwaukee, his exit out, he had 14 points, 47% from the field, 
four rebounds and five assists. You see what I'm talking about? So, and you could say he's on the decline. True, he, he had that great moment, but you also got to remember, he played a really bad Phoenix team. I don't believe Eric Bledsoe is all of that. I'm sorry. He made his money. He made his talk and drama when exiting Phoenix or with the Phoenix Suns. Um, when he came in 2013 all the way up to 2017 to play for a really bad organization at that time. To go in with the 2017 Milwaukee Bucks, right? So it, it's like you made all of your, you made all the money, you made all the stats, but now it's like you're just fizzling out, and you are. I will give you the benefit that you're 31 years old. I will give you that. However, as a point guard slash shooting guard, at 31 years old, you should be giving more. And I don't think he felt having. Played 71 games. I don't know how long. The last time he played more than 70 games was 2017 when he played 78. And then, I mean, 2018, 78. Then 2017 was 74, right? So it's been a while. Then, of course, 2019 had its ups and downs where he's only able to play 61. But besides all of that, it's going to be interesting what the Pelicans do with both guys. If the Celtics won both guys, but it's more more likely to go with Eric Bledsoe, is that what the Celtics have wanted? As the Celtics are now pursuing, I guess you can say. But with all of that being said, that is all of the breaking news I have for you. That was a long discussion on free agency. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's not even like shaving off a foot of the iceberg. That's not even shaving off like five inches. That's just rumors. Wait until we get to reports. I may just go an hour on free agency. But now, the moment we've all been waiting for. And for all the Milwaukee fans that have nothing to live for. And Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Where your star quarterback for the Green Bay Packers wants to leave your team because your team has really done nothing, especially with Mike McCarthy there. <sighs> but now with him out, I can see why um, um, Aaron Rodgers wants to get out of uh, Milwaukee. But don't worry, you guys are known as a cheese state. But hey, at least you guys can potentially celebrate your first NBA title in 50 years. Oh, wow. Milwaukee. Like, when you really break down Milwaukee, it's like you got the Milwaukee Bucks, then you got Wisconsin to deal with, which is basically the Green Bay Packers, who have been up and down for the past few years. And it would be great if Milwaukee loses the title and then their star quarterback goes out on them. Do you know, do you know how awesome that would be? I would genuinely be happy. And I'm just going to say for the record, the Phoenix Suns have a louder arena than what the Bucks could ever dream to have. Because every, like, it legit, like, every time Giannis would score, you should just see the Bucks watch part. You saw that everyone was winning a, uh, a participation award before being included in the NBA Finals watch party and whatnot. It's truly funny. It really is. 
But that would be the greatest time ever. The Bucks lose four to three to the Phoenix Suns, and Aaron Rodgers walks out on them. I would love that. I think if that could be a Christmas present, I would want that now. I would want Christmas in July, and I'm not even, I'm not even kidding. But besides all of that, let's get back to to everything that we need to talk about. Especially less than 10 hours away from the NBA Finals Game 6. Do or die for the Phoenix Suns. Pressure is on the Phoenix Suns more than the Milwaukee Bucks. What's it going to be? Look, I'm going to break down the cruel Game 5. A pivotal Game 5. A hustle Game 5. A determination Game 5. A spark Game 5. A emotional roller coaster game five, whatever adjective or pro adjectives you want to use to describe that game, you may. But the ones I've just listed is what I felt. Oh, wait a minute. If I'm going off what I felt, oh, let's go frustration, anger, um, disappointment. Yeah, things like that. Look, um, game five. Here's some notes I have from that game. I'm gonna say blunt. It it yeah, it really hurt my feelings. But I was really disappointed because this should not have happened. First quarter, Phoenix Suns get out to an impressive 16-point lead. Monty Williams has to bring in those rotations. Those killing rotations. A man that loves his stupid rotations. Um, Monty Williams cost them the 16-point lead as he took out both Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton to start the second half, keeping Devin Booker out till six minutes were remaining, and now allowed the Milwaukee Bucks to jump into the lead and take the driver, um, the driver's seat, and he wanted to control the steering wheel. Well, we had a 16-point lead on, was now destroyed. Which I said during that game, it meant nothing that we had that lead. It was just a little uncomfortableness, like a lot of uncomfortableness that we had that lead, right? Because then we blew it because we had to go down to rotations. Look, Devin Booker is in his early or mid 20s. If you asked him, if you ask him now, or even during that quarter, the first or second quarter, that would you be willing to play 40 minutes? I guarantee you, he would say, I'll put out 40 minutes. And if you ask me to do a few overtimes, I'll go do a few overtimes. Because he knows the severity of that. So Monty Williams not recognizing that, not having any clue, awareness to say, you know what? We can't do these rotations. We have to keep the pressure on them. Whether we have to bring campaign and keep them Booker and in. I'm fine with that. And that sort of lies upon the shoulder of Monty Williams. But going throughout the entire game, we saw the Bucks were just going to give their punch. Like their one-quarter punch. Like, okay, this is it. The Milwaukee Bucks were just going to give their punch of the second quarter. We'll bounce back in the third quarter. But, um... Yeah, it kind of didn't work out that way. Um, if I could bring, yo, yeah, 
They outscored us 43 to 24 in the second quarter. Yeah, um, it was pretty impressive. Overall, going by team statistics, they shot 57% from the field, shot 50% from free, and 52% from the free throw line. Our rebound us offensively, and uh, we uh, rebounded them defensively, but still, they had more assist than us. They had. They did have three more turnovers, but points off turnovers they had more. They had more fast break points, and they had less fouls. And here's the sad part for the Phoenix Suns. Even though the Bucks were going perfect, because you may look at the team statistics on ESPN or anywhere you're getting them from, right? And you may be saying to yourself, well, the Phoenix Suns were also shooting 50%, 56% from the field. But let me tell you this, offense is only as great as defense. And when you don't have defense or you can't do anything to stop them, then what is your team really benefiting? Right, because the Suns put in perfect coverage, play smart, did not get in foul trouble. Turnovers, I'm going to get to that in a minute. But foul trouble, it's not really a main issue for that team, right? Sure, it, uh, the stakes were raised in the fourth quarter. When that was happening, when team when the team when the Phoenix Suns were starting to get fouls and teams were paying on the fourth, but by that time in the game it was like, okay, we're I think we're good now. But here's the thing, we had I'm gonna go to the fourth quarter now. This is the last thing I'm gonna talk about before um I want to end my play by play right. I want I'm gonna talk about rebounding turnovers, different things like that, defensive breakdowns, different things like that. But, the Phoenix Suns, down by 14, climbing back and crawling. If you guys didn't watch the game, I would have watched Tyler's because Phoenix Suns are down by 14. We're making runs. We're trying to cut this thing. Giannis is missing free throws. He, he's got on his side of his own head. He can't make a free throw. And this is a, this is an MVP. Thank goodness we're not going off of free throw statistics or just shooting performances in general. Because I think if we actually looked at that. Well. I don't think he'll ever be an MVP again. But. I guess all Milwaukee fans would just be trolling me. From this day on the Suns lose. So we both have our pros and cons to this. But. Look. We had it. The Bucks were up one. One. Monty Williams. Failed to recognize a timeout. That would be needed because with 15 seconds remaining, the Devin Booker was bringing up the ball. He drove down the line, and there we go. Drew Holiday was right behind Devin Booker, stole it, stripped it, ripped it out of him, out of the hands, out of the arms, of a fierce grip of Devin Booker, got the ball. And Giannis was running down the lane, and he gave him a lob, an alley-oop. And Giannis came down and just threw it down. Now, where my problem is, we were down, um, it was 122 to 119. Phoenix 
had a lot going on. So a few seconds went by. So that was very unfortunate. The Suns has got a chance, but Chris Paul was called for a foul. So instead, clearing the way, clearing the lanes, and getting out of the big fellow's way to say, we're only going to be down by three, so... Okay, we're going to be fine. But by fouling Giannis, do you send him to the line? Now, because he's Giannis and he can't shoot a free throw to save him, save his life, he missed, the re- uh, he missed a free throw, but we missed the defensive rebound and they were able to secure the offensive rebound. And that's when we had the foul. Middleton, I believe it was either Middleton or Holiday. And they were able to secure it by nine points. And at the end of the game, they did not allow us to get a shot off where they were able to just shot contest us. Then to where we were able to kick it back out until Chris Paul couldn't even get off a last second heave. But even by that time, even if he hit the free, we were going to be down by three. Or if he hit the two, we were going to be down by four, right? So either way, a miracle would have had to happen. But it did not. Look, that was a bad foul by Chris Paul. That game was heartbreaking because Devin Booker did not know Holiday was behind him. So by turning around, it did not help. But also, this young core, this core that's never been to the NBA Finals before, should have had money. Call, call a timeout with 15 seconds remaining. So you know what? Shake it off, guys. Set up a play. Refocus and control the emotions and design a play that was able going to be able to work and being able to be executed, semi perfect to fully perfect. Right, I wasn't expecting anything huge. All I all we needed was to score one bucket, to be up by one or up by two. Truly, that was all. Or even if you're able to draw a foul, that would have helped. It would put the pressure back on Milwaukee. However. The poor decision-making, again, by Monty Williams, and then the poor foul by Chris Paul was not even needed because everything that happened within six seconds of the lob and the offensive rebound and the foul uh, to go to the free-throw line cost the Phoenix Suns to where with nine-some-odd with nine seconds, seconds remaining, that's where nothing happened. Bucks just stopped us down. Look. Congratulations to the Bucks. They beat us fair and square that game. We should be ashamed that we were the home court team and we had a 16-point lead and blew it after the first half. That's, that's, that's just intensity brought by the Bucks. That's determination and just grind. That is mad hustle. That is just huge respect to them because they didn't have to do that. Because... They were going to fall back on Milwaukee, but they had their goal. And Middleton showed up. Giannis showed up when he needed to. Holiday showed up in huge parts of that game. Middleton had went over or had around 40 points. Look, game five was dominant by the Bucks. They played very well offensively and defensively. They were not missing too many shots. And if they did, they would get the rebound. They just were. They got offensive rebounds. They played more. They brought the physicality. They brought the intensity. They brought the emotion. They brought the uncontrollable speed. They set their tune. 
Because after the second quarter, when they were able to get back into the game, and now it's their punch, they just continued it where the shooting just never stopped. And you have to wonder, is that going to go in the next game? I don't know. I'm going to talk about that. But let me finish up with game five before I forget my next thought. But it's like no one was missing. The Suns had perfect coverage on some of the plays, and Holiday was hitting oppressive fadeaway banked layups or just swishing it right in pure net. It's like, what more can you do? Honestly, there was not much more you can do. It just, what if Devin Booker was never taken out of the game? Or what if DeAndre was never taken out of the game? Where it was coming down to six minutes left in the second quarter and Devin Booker was put back in or even let him sit for a few minutes, like which he did. But he put him back in when the team cut down 50% of their lead to 8 points. Or even 7 or 6 or 4. Now waiting till they tie it up or within 2 within a basket. Within a bucket of tying or taking the lead, right? So to me that was frustrating. To me that was frustrating because it did not need to happen. Devin Booker played like a back-to-back 40-point game to just... Has not been able to be there. Chris Paul uh, fumbled a few passes. But people are criticizing Chris Paul. And because he's not having a spectacular game. Everybody's like. Everybody's booing him. And just saying that this Chris Paul curse is back. But let me, let me remind you something. As much as I got frustrated with Chris Paul in game four. Here's the undeniable truth. This man is 36 years old. He shot 9 of 15 from the field, free or free from the free point area. He scored 21 points, 11 assists, and 5 rebounds. And he only had one turnover. That's significant. It was just that poor foul by him which got him his fifth personal foul along with Booker, right? Yeah, it's just, yeah, it was just bad. And turnovers for the Phoenix Suns were actually, I believe, less than last game. If I look. Yeah, we had four less fouls than the game prior to that one, previous to that one. Book, you can also say Scott Foster wasn't there. And how funny would that be if Scott Foster was officiating game six? He would love to get his revenge on the Phoenix Suns. But I'm not going to talk about officiating. I'll talk about that if there is a need for that. I'm not going to talk about refereeing. I'm not going to talk about officiating because it's not important right now. The task at hand was simple for game five. As it is going to be for game six. Whoever wins game five takes control of the series. It just did. And the Phoenix Suns could not rise to the occasion. They had different problems that they could have been resolved. But Monty made some critical errors. The team as a whole had no answers for the Bucks offensively. Mainly Middleton. Giannis was non-existent. He faded tonight. Wow. Uh, Chris Middleton rose up like Batman. Right? But here's the thing. Game 5 was heartbreaking. It was soul-crushing. It should not have happened. 
we had every opportunity to at least force it overtime and win the game. Just bad. Monty Williams had every opportunity to make up his pass mistake, his game time mistake. But no. Instead of calling a timeout, singing it through, it ended like that. Like the scenario that I just described to you that actually happened in this week. It's just not a bad dream. And now you roll into game six, and it's like, we're previewing game six. This is do or die for the Phoenix Suns. I still have confidence that, that the Phoenix Suns can win. I am not disputing that. But it's going to be more challenging because I believe the pressure is going to be on Phoenix more. Because Phoenix will have to win two games in a row. Where the Bucks will have to win one out of the two games in a row. Just to take home this series. And let's just say Scott Foster does officiate game six. That's going to make it more challenging for us. Especially if DeAndre Ang gets off to a hot start. Booker, Paul, or anybody like that. But also it comes down to this. Take out referee. Take out being fostered or whatever. Take take this into consideration. What if Chris Paul is dealing with these injuries? Because you got to remember, this man is in his late 30s. He's dealt with various injuries during the entire postseason. With shoulder injuries in the first round. Then COVID. And then hand injuries. He was playing off a of torn ligaments and wrist injury. And just wear and tear and during and after the Clipper series with limited rest. This man has experienced fatigue and he has shown up to some of the biggest games of his career. So cut the man a little slack here. I guess this is a great stage mall, but what he's done for his team is significant. What this man has done is just pure excellence. And he's playing, if he's playing for injuries... That's tough. Especially hand injuries. Imagine how he's feeling right now. Imagine how his body's feeling right now. Trying to get ready for... For today's game at 6 o'clock. For tonight's game. Where the Sun season... Sun postseason. Sun's championship aspirations are on the line. Look, that's tough. And he'll have to take that to his grave. Knowing that... Maybe Chris Paul curse still exists. Then maybe Chris Paul could not live up to the moment. Could have been nervousness. Could have been bad decision making. And look, we can't say that one team is experienced than the other. Jay Crowder on both teams is the only experienced player that has NBA Finals background, has knowledge of it. But here's the thing game six. If we stay out of foul trouble with or without Scott Foster, and I don't care about him, I really don't. I really don't care what a referee has to say. A referee to me is is as useless as a calm. I only care about this. And I get it, people can say, well, the re- referees play a huge part in some NBA games. And I don't dispute that. I agree with you 100%. I'm just saying from the perspective, we can't take it out our frustration on the referees. It's not the ref's job to keep us out of foul trouble. It's not the ref's job to keep our turnovers low. It's our job. It's Monty's job. It's Devin Booker's job. It's Chris Paul's job. Campaign's job. Everyone's job. And Devin, DeAndre's got to have better hand control. 
he messed up two passes in the first half that could have been great transition buckets from Chris Paul. But look, he's just got to play more physical. And coming into this game, you know the Bucks are not going to shoot lights out as they did the previous game, game five. That's just going to be impossible. So what the Suns have to hope for is, is that Milwaukee gets off to a really bad start and they're able to keep Milwaukee contained and they're able to kill their momentum off as quick as they can saying, you know what, we got this. We got a slight chance here to where you're able to keep applying the pressure defensively and offensively, keeping their fast break momentum on the down low on the limited side, saying, you know what, this is what we have, and this is our chances. Monty Williams has to go in there saying, this is Jordi. If we're down by 10 points, it's over, truly. Or even 16 points would be worse. I don't see us come back if we're down double digits. I just don't. I Because that's where... Milwaukee finds the rhythm, they find the momentum, shooting gets great, Middleton goes off. It's been a story about that for the past three Bucks wins. It's, it's tough, but we got to keep physicality high. We have to bring our own intensity. And that's where you have Sargent come in. Dario Sargent was amazing for the Phoenix Suns. He was an underappreciated Big man for the second unit of the Phoenix Suns because he was able to he was able to slow down Giannis a little bit, bang him up, keep anyone from getting in the paint where he's able to contain them, was able to back down on them, was able to uh stay his ground, keep the paint his. He was a great rim protector. He was the guy that was gonna be able to put a body on him, say, you know what, this is my paint. DeAndre has just got in his own head of not doing that. It, it's really scary if you break it down. How significant it's gotten. But we have to find answers. And I know that I may be sounding like a old radio. Just repeating the same stuff over and over again. But here's the thing. Here's the underlying truth. The Phoenix Suns has to fix something. Shooting was near perfection for both teams. But the Bucks played crisper defense in the end. The Suns didn't. That what allowed them got back into this game after being down by 16. That's what got them back into this game when the Phoenix Suns were struggling. Get If you get offensive rebounds or defensive rebounds, getting rebounds helps tremendously because... You have to be able to rebound. You cannot let a guard get past a center or a power forward or even a small forward. It just should not happen. Not over Ain, not over Crowder, not over anyone. And that's frustrating. Um, one thing we got eliminated is the many frees that we that we take. Because one thing I didn't know in Game 5, when we started the second quarter... With no Devin Booker, and we brought in Tory Craig for DeAndre in. We shot mostly freeze, and we were not able to convert any freeze until a few minutes in, where Chris Paul was able to hit a free. We have to expect a big game from Devin Booker. 
we have to expect a big game from DeAndre Ayn that it would be impactful, that's not caring for statistics, but still getting the job done on both ends of the court. Same with Chris Paul. Just got to make those uh, passes uh, nicer, tighter, and more fluid. Because here's the thing. This is do or die. So if your hands are giving out on you and you say no more, then I would go over to Monty and sit down and say, you know what, we got to give more minutes to campaign. We have to give more minutes to everyone because I'm just not feeling it. Now, of course, Chris Paul is not going to sit out the entire game. But if he's able to take breathers at a time, able to help his wrist, help his hands, and just overall get him back into a calm state and be the unconscious point guard that we know, that would be spectacular. That would be more than significant for the Phoenix Suns. It just comes down to who wants it more, how much determination do the Suns have left, how much mental and physical energy the both both teams have. The momentum's on the Bucks side, but now the Suns now have that desperation mode where they would be pulling out all the stops that game. And whether the refereeing is bad or not, it does not matter. You control your destiny. You control your future. And they have to hone in. The only way you control your own destiny or future is by manipulating it through your actions. Actions speak louder than words. Because you can't say, because if words were that, you could just say, I stopped the Milwaukee Bucks and I won. I stopped Giannis for 13 points on 9 of 28 shooting. Like, right? You have to speak that of actions. You have to physically and mentally do that. You have to get inside their head. You're going back to Milwaukee, so they're going to have their atmosphere on their side, their fan base on their side. Sure, you have some Phoenix Suns fans, but it's not going to be like the Suns Arena. You got to be ready. You got to take down the Milwaukee Bucks. Force this back to a game seven to Phoenix. Honestly, I am nervous, but I'm not stressed. I'm going to keep it up. But besides that, that's all I have going into game six. Someone's got to help out Devin Booker. Turnovers have to be cleaned up more. Crisper defense. Put some physicality back into it. Ain's got to show more, a little more life. And everybody's got to be more proactive than reactive. It's always better to be proactive than reactive because at least you're not always trying. I don't know how to say this. At least you're not putting yourself in a worse situation. Unless, at least you're able to plan for the future and able to stop that in its tracks before it's able to grow. So always be proactive instead of reactive. And one interesting debate that I want to talk about is um, the, the Milwaukee Bucks. They've just been a super team with Giannis, Holiday, and Middleton. So what the Bucks have to do, do at this close of game, is do what they've been doing. Let Middleton go off for 40 points. Let Giannis get his 30. Let Holiday be impactful on both sides of the court. And just because you've been playing the past three games. I hate that, I hate to hear that, but for Milwaukee Bucks fans, I also have to be fair to them because I have to get insights on that too. Because I can't be a by Suns fan this entire time on the pockets. But then again, I really don't care about the Milwaukee Bucks. So that's all I'm going to say about them. But 
It's going to be a highly anticipated Game 6. It's going to be a nerve-wracking game for both teams. More so for the Phoenix Suns because it's do or die. And it's not a Game 7 yet. It's only Game 6. But the Suns are in desperation mode. I believe in desperation. You can find new life in your team. You can find new beginnings. And you can find new wonders of just shooting and defending protecting and assisting all these different things that's why i truly believe and i'm hoping i'm right i'm taking phoenix today six o'clock abc don't miss it but one last thing i do want to leave you guys with let's say the bucks do win the series who should win the nba final mvp people are saying Giannis. people are saying chris milton let me leave you with this Chris Middleton has been more impactful these Bucks wins. Giannis has been impactful when the Bucks lost, when he got his 40. Middleton has put up more impressive, impressive and more impactful, meaningful 40 points per game, 30 to 40 points per game. And Giannis has not. Giannis has choked mainly. Especially free throws. And that was seen a lot. But besides that, who do you guys think it should be? I think it should be Milton. Because I believe he's been that top guy where he's been a finisher and a closeout type of guy. Giannis is always going to get the media attention. Giannis is always going to be that superstar. It's always going to be about Giannis. But Middleton is the guy, and Giannis has always been stealing the light away from Chris Middleton by saying this series, whether they win or lose, Game 6 or even Game 7, it goes to Middleton because Middleton has been that pro, uh, has been that productive, has been that efficient, has been that clutch. When things go wrong, Middleton is there. When things go wrong, Giannis is not there. But when things go right, Giannis is there, surprisingly, taking all the glory. Just saying. I'm going to leave us with that. Who do you guys think would win the NBA Finals MVP if the Bucks do win? Hoping that's not the case, but hypotheticals, right, uh, uh, speculation, different things like that. That is what we're rolling with. We got a game to watch tonight. I'm either going to come back Wednesday morning crying out my heart and soul. Or I'm going to come back and say, we have a game seven this Thursday. And we're not missing it for the life of us. Look, this is, gonna, this is going to be huge for the Phoenix. This is do or die. Die, you don't get another chance. Do, you get another chance. Go to a game seven. It's just... That simple and sometimes even the simplest tasks are the most is the harder ones to try to command, try to take a hold of. This is the NBA Finals coverage. We'll see you guys five o'clock tomorrow, Arizona time, where we'll be breaking it down even more for our social media. We'll be joining in on the pregame show, just commenting on that. Just seeing what uh, the experts have to say through NBA game time, through ESPN, through everywhere. Because 
This has just got more desperation for the Phoenix Suns, more epic for the Bucks, and this is just clashing where two great teams are now meeting for one the final times in this series because the Suns can lose, Bucks can get a parade, or Suns can hold off and try to get their parade in Game Seven. Who's gonna win it? It's all going to come down to tonight's game. 6 o'clock, ABC, be there. Rally the Valley. Go, Suns. This is what we need. This is not the time to be reactionary. We got to be proactive. We got to dig down deep. We got to take out Milton. We got to take out Holiday. We got to contain everyone like Lopez and Giannis and everyone else. Even old man PJ Tucker. But don't worry. He has a shoe collection that's the size of his NBA career. He has more shoes than he does points, which is absolutely maddening. Like, it really is crazy if you think about it. But we're going to be there. The unconscious, Chris Paul's going to come back. I have a great feeling. Devin Booker's going to play great. He knows the severity. Devin DeAndre knows the severity. I believe Cam Johnson is going to be playing great. I believe Mikel Bridge is going to rattle off some good shots. Mikel Bridges had good defense. We just need better defense. We need to put him in harder situations. We need to be setting ourselves up for easier shots, for more drainable shots, for more good quality shots that we can get consistently during the entire game. We need Monty Williams to be electrifying in his speeches, but also on that court making good game time decisions throughout the game. This is going to be interesting. I'll be commenting all on all on the social media platforms that we have. Remember, Quartz Heat one word. Quartz Heat one word. Just in the Google machine, search Quartz Heat, as you'll be able to find QuartzHeat.com, our main website, QuartzHeat.store, our Macari store, or go to QuartzHeat.shop, and you're able to. I'm sorry, QuartzHeat.com/shop. You're able to find all of our products there. This is going to be exciting. This is going to. Tell the future both franchises what's to come Wednesday. I'm either going to come back to the studio Wednesday morning excited or disappointed. And I really want to be excited. 99.9% of me wants to be excited and does not want to see his ending. Let's do this. Go Suns. I'll catch you guys on social media because that's all I can do from here. I am a spectator. I am a fan. And... This is where we're at now. So keep the fan base behind. Whether you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan or you're a Phoenix Suns fan, just represent your team proud. And let's just watch this game six. As this is going to be one of the highly, is this going to be the most anticipated games, highly watched games in the entire NBA season. This is the one everyone's watching. And we're tuning into it live at 6 o'clock tonight. Oh my, oh my. Is this going to be special? Let's go, Suns. And I cannot wait to see you guys play tonight. It's going to be spectacular. And I can't wait for us to get the win. Oh, am I going to be nervous come tonight? Meet you guys on social media. Giving you guys all the live updates. Let's just do this. I've said all I can say. Let's do this. Rally the Valley. We are the value. This is your Phoenix Suns, and this is Courtside Heat's NBA Finals preview.
as it's concluding. We'll see you on the next podcast episode. Thank you for listening. And thank you for tuning in if you guys are new. Or even if you guys are reoccurring. We appreciate it. And we'll see you Wednesday morning. 8 in the morning. Don't be late. We'll be here across SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else you get your podcast episodes. We will be there. Just go Suns. See you guys Wednesday morning, 8 a.m.